This morning, if we're going to talk about ministry, we probably should be able to define what ministry is. As I mentioned in the welcome this morning, we're familiar with the term ministry and ministers, but what at the end of the day, what is the core definition of the word ministry? There was a phrase in our second reading this morning from 1 Peter, the the basis for our message here, that in a sense really defined what ministry is. When Peter was addressing the elders, he explained to those elders that they are called to be eager to serve. Service is really what ministry is. But in the context of our worship this morning and the responsibility and the role of the church, we have to be a little bit more specific than simply leaving it just at service. At the end of the day, when you are out at a restaurant and your server brings to you uh, at your table the food that you just ordered, that server is serving you, but we wouldn't necessarily call that ministry. As you are are waiting for the man to go into the back room to see if they have the shoes in your size that you are interested in, he is serving you, but that's not necessarily ministry, is it? Examples like that are service, but not ministry in the context that we're talking about this morning. However, to make matters just a little bit confusing, they could in one sense, be considered even ministry. When we're talking about ministry this morning, those could be an individual's what we call personal ministry. In other words, when a Christian embraces and sees that their vocation in life is not only an opportunity to serve and to meet the needs of other people physically speaking, but also a possibility, an opportunity to serve spiritually when the need and opportunity arises, that is an individual's personal ministry. So that server, as she recognizes she's serving and waiting on tables, may notice that one particular table seems to be struggling or hurting, may see that as an opportunity to to offer a prayer to those people who are struggling. The individual who is the, the salesman, the shoe salesman, may be able to carry out his job with such joy and happiness that that is so clear to the people that he's serving that they are compelled to ask him for the reason for the hope that he has. And these opportunities can be a personal ministry if we jump on those opportunities to make a connection that leads to a conversation that might lead to an introduction, either directly or indirectly, to Jesus. And so in that regard, all of us have, by virtue of our our call as Christians, we all have a personal ministry. We are called to do certain things, to let our light shine, to be the salt of the earth. We all have that personal ministry. And then we could make a distinction between that and what we might refer to as our congregational ministry. You don't just have a personal ministry, but when you join a congregation, when you partner in ministry with a congregation, you also have that ministry now that that is shared collectively amongst a group of believers. Our school is currently reviewing its mission statement, something that is, is probably helpful for a congregation to do as well. A mission statement serves a good purpose in that it not only communicates to families and those outside in the community what we're all about, 
but it's a reminder of why we are here as well, that we have been given a very specific responsibility to see that Christ continues to be communicated, so that Christ is preached, Christ is, is taught, passed on, and confessed for generations to come. And then, of course, because God is so serious about seeing that both personal ministry and congregational ministry continue to be carried out until the day that he returns, he has also established one more area of ministry that we could refer to or call public ministry or representative ministry. This refers to what we commonly know as pastors, teachers, staff ministers, those that give their full-time work to representing a gathering of God's people who have called them to serve them with the gospel. And it's really that public ministry that Peter is addressing in our verses this morning. And while God has given specific, clear direction and guidance for that public ministry, he hasn't been too specific in terms of uh, any title or designation. We are free to carry out that ministry according to, to his purposes and intent. And you kind of notice that as you look at how it's referred to in Scripture. There isn't one specific title or designation given to public ministers. Rather, sometimes in Scripture they're referred to as bishops, other times as ministers, other times as overseers. And this morning, in the words of 1 Peter, he refers to them as elders. Those are the leaders of the congregation that are tasked with that specific responsibility of seeing that ministry continues to be carried out, which is to say, service to the gospel ministry, that the good news of Jesus continues to be carried until he returns. What is really that responsibility of the public minister or the pastor in this context? You saw the illustration, the imagery and picture that Peter used that really helps us understand what that role of a pastor is to be. Peter's encouragement was this, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. And the picture of being a shepherd is not one unique to Peter. The Apostle Paul also used that same terminology as he was saying goodbye, giving his farewell to his beloved brothers and sisters in Christ in Ephesus, where he had served about three years, the longest in all of his stops during his missionary trips. And as he was giving that heartfelt goodbye, he addressed the elders, the leaders, the pastors of that group of believers. And this is what he said in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. It wasn't coincidence or mere chance that the picture of a shepherd is what is applied to a pastor. In fact, the whole reason that, that God designates public ministers or pastors is so that the sheep of God's flock would get to know their good shepherd better. Think of all of the blessings that your good shepherd bestows on you. Your good shepherd provides for you. He protects you. He guides you. He guards you. He cares for you. He corrects you. Your good shepherd feeds and leads you. 
And we all know these blessings of the Good Shepherd, and when we reflect on them, we acknowledge, we, we realize that so many of these spiritual blessings that our Good Shepherd grants to us are granted to us through the work of his under-shepherds who connect the sheep to their Good Shepherd and make sure that the sheep stay connected to their Good Shepherd. So, as the pastor gives those words of assurance at the death of a beloved brother or sister in Christ, it's really the powerful words of the Good Shepherd that are comforting. When that pastor lovingly disciplines a wayward or wandering sheep, those are truly the powerful words of the Good Shepherd lovingly rebuking and disciplining his sheep. When the pastor is faithful to his, his preaching and teaching of the Word of God and administering the sacraments, it, it's really the Good Shepherd who is feeding and nurturing his flock through those efforts. And that is what the Good Shepherd has called his under-shepherds, his pastors, to do. He did not designate this office of ministry so that, that pastors could have a, a popularity contest and, and gather an entourage or a following, that they would be spiritual superstars. He gave the office of the public ministry. He gives pastors to keep sheep connected to their good shepherd. And Peter even speaks about, in positive terms, how the shepherd is to carry that out, how the pastor is to carry out that work of a shepherd. He mentions a number of things in these verses from 1 Peter. He says, first of all, that, that you are willing to do this. And then, as we mentioned, that you are eager to serve. And then that he is to be an example to the flock. There is nobody in public ministry that is forced to carry that out or that is coerced to do that. Last Sunday in our sister congregation in, in Canyon Country, they were blessed with a graduate pastor who was installed and ordained into the public ministry. Next Sunday at our sister congregation in Temecula, they'll experience the same. God bless them with a pastor, a shepherd. Neither of those pastors who pursued and studied and who prepared for the public ministry are being installed and ordained against their will. They knew what they were going into. And that is the right attitude for God's shepherd, for pastors to have, to willingly serve. And as Peter says, to be eager to serve. Service. How many ways did, did Jesus serve while he was here on earth? Certainly, there is no greater example than the cross, but even the night before as he washed his disciples' feet, what a selfless act of service. And the pastor who, who goes into public ministry to serve God's flock recognizes that he is not going into it for his own glory, but to serve, to, to proverbial wash the feet of God's people. He's not there to serve himself. And then as, as Peter encourages, not only eager to serve, but to recognize that by virtue of that call into the pastoral ministry, that shepherd is also an example to the sheep. An example not just in how he speaks, not just in his words, but in his actions as well. No shepherd has any right to expect to see in his sheep what the sheep don't first see in their shepherd. 
So Peter gives positive encouragement in how the pastor is to carry out to that responsibility. He also points out or warns about how not to, things to safeguard and watch out for. And I, I'm not sure that, uh, that it's the, the best translation, but you understand what he's saying when he discourages pastors to pursue ministry for dishonest gain. Maybe the, the better way would simply to, see, to say out of greed, or that you are pursuing ministry to line your pocketbooks, or, or merely as another job, a paycheck, a means to an end, something that has to be done just so that you can earn an income. That kind of financial drive or focus on the part of a pastor leaves him divided. And if he's divided between financial concerns and focus, then he is not giving himself fully to, to caring for souls of God's flock. And so financial pursuit has, has no place in the role of the, the pastor or public minister. And that's not the, the only discouragement or warning that Peter gives. He also says that he is not to be lording it over those entrusted to him. You are God's flock. You are not my flock, first and foremost, nor any other pastors. You belong to the Lord. God does not call pastors into that role to exert their authority, to flex their muscle or their position, or to lord it over, as Peter says, the sheep. The call into public ministry as a pastor, as a shepherd, is not one of a tyrant, but of a servant. And woe to any pastor who forgets that. When the pastor is, is carrying out the responsibility that God has given to him to feed and nurture the sheep, it will be evident because not only are the sheep nurtured and fed, but they are also then equipped to carry out their personal and congregational ministry. How can you as sheep show evidence of that? How can you as sheep be a blessing to the shepherd? Well, maybe we do well to even ask what our perspective, our perception of being a part of a congregation really is. Are you here at Shepherd of the Hills to go to church on Sunday? If that's it, which is a big part, don't get me wrong, but then you miss out on the fact that God has called you to be equipped for personal and congregational ministry. Now, to be fair, sometimes for, for some sheep, that would be a grand, a huge, momentum, momentous first step to simply be fed regularly by gathering together in God's house for, for worship. In fact, that is the primary way that God's under-shepherds feed his sheep. And it's really difficult to feed his sheep if they never show up to eat. And then you have another issue sometimes that, that sheep forget that they aren't here just to eat and eat and eat. So that they are so full, in fact, they are too full for any service. And forget that the reason that, that their good shepherd wants to feed and nurture them is so that they are equipped and they are set apart for the ministry that he has given them to do. Now, sometimes, to be fair, it's, it's because we don't see how that fits in. We don't necessarily embrace or even able to identify where, where we can serve in our congregational or personal ministry. So it's good to reflect on the gifts that God has given and to ask some questions. For example, our congregation is blessed with a school. When you think of our school, 
Do you approach it simply as we are a church that has a school ministry, or by virtue of your participation in this church, do you view our school as your ministry to support and encourage our teachers, to engage and connect with our families, to use your connections and your gifts even outside the walls of this church and school to see what we might enhance or apply or be a blessing to our school? Do you see it as your ministry and not just something else that, that my church does? When we consider this, this ministry, oftentimes we, we tend to categorize. We think that some are more important than others. Is it only congregational ministry if you are knocking on doors or if you are visiting members or if you hold some official role or title in the congregation? No. In fact, everything that allows the gospel ministry to, to be carried out, every little detail that, that helps, that contributes, is using your gifts and abilities to carry out that congregational ministry. Which one is the most important of all, of course? Well, there isn't one. And that's a silly question to ask. No more than asking which of the, the links on the swing set to the, the chain out there is the most important one. Is it the chain link that connects the swing to the seat? Is it the chain link that connects the swing to the swing set so that it can actually swing? Or is it one of the links in between the seat and the, the swing set? Well, you know that the truth is that any one of those is broken and the swing set is no good. They all matter. They're all important. You all matter and are all important in carrying out the congregational ministry that God has given to each and every one of us. And you can assist and, and help and work with the pastor as you guide and pray for him carrying out the work that he does. And collectively, as we are shepherding each other, as we are looking out for the sheep of God's flock, then we are able to give more of our time and our attention and our resources, not just internally, but we know that those needs are being met by each other and by our pastor. We can focus our attention on drawing in more sheep into God's flock in a world that is more concerned with being irritated and offended by everything under the sun, that doesn't know the hope and the joy that we have by knowing and believing in the Good Shepherd. Now, are any of you, as God's sheep, ever going to be carrying out your, your personal ministry or congregational ministry perfectly? Absolutely not. Just as there is no, no pastor, no shepherd, who will ever carry out that designation or his role or be deserving of that title without falling flat on his face because his ego gets in the way, because his pride trips him up, whatever it might be. There is no perfect sheep. There are, are no perfect shepherds but for one. And that's why we need the good shepherd because none of us would be a part of God's flock were not for the sacrifice of a good shepherd. The one that Peter wrapped up this morning talking about. The good shepherd that is also spoken about in, in Revelation, who is not just the shepherd, but the lamb who was sacrificed to bring us into his flock. And it is knowing that lamb and good shepherd and how deeply he cares about us that fills us with a zeal and desire to carry out the ministry that he's entrusted to us until the day he returns. And until he does, 
He holds us fast with the promise and the assurance through the vision that he gave to John in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verse 17. We look forward to this. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Until that day when he calls us home and we see with our own eyes the Lamb, our good shepherd, may we faithfully carry out the ministry he has entrusted to us to not only ensure that all of us lay our eyes on the good shepherd, but that many other eyes know him as their good shepherd too. Amen.